Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknett. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the books, The Migraine Miracle and Keto for Migraine. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom. Let's get started. Hey folks, in today's episode, we're going to be asking and answering the question of, are migraines genetic? So this is another one of those areas where there's uh, a lot of confusion and misperception. And one of the prevailing ideas that seems to be floating around out there is that migraines are, in fact, a genetic disorder. And moreover, if you have those genes that having episodic migraines throughout your life are just part of your fate. I've heard this sort of thing quite a bit um, from people who have migraines, uh, but I've also heard the same thing said about other conditions that are thought to at least have some genetic component. So we'll be discussing whether or not this is true. And on a broader level, we're essentially asking the question, do genes determine your destiny? Before we get to that, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so that you can grab the recently updated Ultimate Guide to Migraine Freedom. There you'll find an explanation of the three pillars of migraine freedom based on our work in helping thousands of people implement the Migraine Miracle Program. And you'll also find our guide to the phases on the timeline of migraine freedom, along with the best steps to take to move you from whatever phase you're in now to the next one. And you can get the ultimate guide by going to mymigrainemiracle.com and clicking on the button you see there at the top. Or you can also click on the link in the podcast description. So there's this idea I mentioned earlier that's floating around in the migraine world uh, that goes something like this. Migraines are a genetic disease. So if you have the migraine genes, then you are destined to have episodic migraines throughout your life. And uh, I've seen people take this line of reasoning even further to say things like migraines have nothing to do with your environment, uh, that they are controlled by your DNA alone. So the only logical strategy then is to find the right thing to do uh, when, they occur, when they occur to get rid of them, uh, usually meaning uh, find the right uh, medication. Um, so in other words, because they're genetic, uh, preventing them is impossible uh, or they're, quote, incurable uh, because you can't change your DNA. Um, so if we were to put this into a logical uh, syllogism, it would go something like this. Migraines are genetic. Uh, genes are your destiny. So therefore, migraines are our destiny. So is this true? So why do I think it's so important to get to the, to the truth on this issue? Well, because I know, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, that mindset is absolutely critical to success. Yet, if you're carrying this idea that migraines are genetic and therefore are your destiny, if you're carrying that idea around in your head, then you're, you're saying that essentially there's really no, only so much that you can do about them, or in some cases, saying there's nothing at all that you can do about them. In other words, migraines just happen, and they're completely outside of your control. And not only does this way of thinking sabotage any chance of improvement, it oftentimes leads to the very worst outcomes. 
uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that the people who come to me with this type of belief are usually the ones who are doing the very worst. So let's begin then by asking if it's true that migraines are genetic. So is there any scientific evidence that supports this commonly held idea? So we do know that migraines tend to run in families. So those of you who are watching or listening right now uh, may have relatives with migraine. However, that alone isn't really enough to answer the question because families tend to have similar environments. So this fact that, they, that migraines tend to run in families by itself can't tell us whether migraines are related to genetics or whether they're related to shared environmental factors. And the best way or the gold standard for determining the heritability or the genetic contribution of a particular trait or condition is to look at identical twins. And in particular, to look at identical twins who were raised in separate environments. So this usually means looking at twins who were adopted at birth and determining what percentage share the trait or condition in, in, uh, in question. So here you have two individuals with the same exact DNA, the same genes, but they have different environments. So this offers a unique way of teasing out the role of genes and environment for any given trait or condition. So for migraines, we'd look at twins who are raised by different families and see how likely it is for that set of twins to both have migraines. In other words, if one twin has migraines, what are the odds that the other twin does as well? Now, fortunately, for our purposes here, we do have this sort of twin data for migraines. And so what's the verdict? Well, about 35 to 50% depending on the study. So let's just say on average that if one twin has migraines, the chance that the other twin also suffers from migraines is about 40%. Now remember, identical twins have the same DNA, the same genes, yet the concordance rate here is only about 40%. Now, there are some rare forms of migraine that have a stronger heritability or a, or a higher concordance rate, so things like familial hemiplegic migraine, but those <clears throat> represent uh, only a very small minority of the overall migraine population. Um, and so if this migraines are genetic and genes are your destiny idea were true, then the concordance rate for migraines should be 100% in these twin studies. So just based on this twin data, we can say that while genetics may play some role in the development of migraines, genes in and of themselves are nowhere near enough. And this fact alone should be enough to give extreme hope to anyone with migraines, because what it means is that clearly there's a major environmental component to migraine, and in fact that certain environmental conditions are necessary for migraines to occur. So if we can determine what those environmental conditions are, then we have a clear path for understanding how to stop migraines for, from occurring in the first place. But there's even more to the story of how our genes influence us, much of which we've learned over the past couple of decades, and it has to do with our growing understanding in the field of epigenetics. So the discovery of DNA and its double helix structure uh, back in 1953 was one of the most important and landmark events in all of science. So we'd finally found the blueprint for how human beings are constructed. So not surprisingly, for decades we thought that if we could sequence all the DNA in the human genome that we'd be able to transform the field of medicine, 
that it'd lead to all sorts of breakthroughs in our understanding of disease and ultimately to new treatments and cures. Some of you may recall that towards the end of the 21st century, there was a rush to sequence the human genome, uh, which was part of the Human Genome Project. And in 2003, the genome was finally sequenced. Yet, here we are in 2017, 14 years later, and those breakthroughs that were supposed to emerge from that have yet to materialize. So that's not to say that this wasn't a landmark event in science, and it wasn't hugely important. But in retrospect, we clearly vastly overestimated what would come from it, at least in the short term. And so why is that? Well, a big part of the answer to that question, which is something that I said has emerged in the time since the sequencing of the genome, is that we didn't appreciate just how major a role epigenetic factors played in human health. Or to put it another way, we didn't realize how big a role the environment played in human health, all the way down to how the environment impacts our DNA. Because implicit in this idea that sequencing the genome would lead to massive breakthroughs was the notion that genes were, in many cases, our destiny, that genes were the primary determinant of who we become and of health and disease. So while this lack of significant breakthroughs was a disappointment, the silver lining here, which I think is a major silver lining, is that we have more control over our fate than we realized. And that's because the lives we lead plays a role in every part of our biology, all the way down to our DNA. And which brings me again to the topic of epigenetics. So just to give a little bit of background to understand this, our DNA is essentially a set of instructions for how to make proteins. And proteins are the workhorses of biology. They make up our bodily structure, and they power all the reactions that run the body. And a gene is just a chunk of DNA that encodes for a particular protein. So a gene contains the set of instructions for how to make a protein. And one way of thinking of DNA is as this enormous library of books. And each book is a gene containing a set of instructions. But here's the important thing. We don't just read every book all the time. On the contrary, our body is constantly deciding what books to read and when to read them. So just because we have a book in our library doesn't mean we're actually going to read it. So in biological terms, our body is constantly deciding what genes should be read or expressed in this, in this terminology and which ones to ignore and not read. So just because a gene exists in our DNA doesn't guarantee it will be expressed. It just means it's part of our library. And there are multiple cues that our body uses for deciding what genes to express and when to express them. So for example, we all know the human body undergoes massive changes during certain times like puberty and pregnancy. And this involves the expression of all sorts of genes that had previously been silent. And those genes are turned on by hormones so part of the function of hormones is to control gene expression or to control what books we are reading from our library of DNA. But another cue that our body uses for deciding what genes to express and when is our environment. And so that includes things like our stress levels, the food we eat, the relationships we have, when and how much we sleep. All of these things impact us all the way down to the level of DNA by controlling the expression of our genes. 
And I'm not going to get too much into the biochemical details of how this happens, except to say that there are two, uh, two major mechanisms by which the body controls what genes are read at any given time. And one of those major ways uh, in which gene expression is controlled is known as methylation. Uh, and methylation just refers to the attachment of a methyl group, which is a small molecule that consists of a carbon and three hydrogen atoms, uh, and attaching that to DNA is known as methylation. So when a methyl group is attached to a gene, it effectively silences that gene. It's a cue to the body to not read that gene. And we know that our environment directly impacts the methylation of DNA, which means our environment has the has the potential to turn genes on and off. You may have heard of people talking about or promoting supplements that support methylation, and you may have wondered why the heck that was important. Well, this is at least one big part of why that is, uh, because controlling gene expression is one of the functions of methylation. So one of the reasons for taking a supplement in this case would be to help ensure that methylation is happening properly, that the body has the raw materials it needs uh, to properly regulate the expression of your DNA. But that's a whole other topic for another day. Um, the main point here is that while the DNA you inherit essentially stays the same throughout your life, how that DNA is being read and how those genes impact you is always in a state of flux. And that's a huge reason why, with rare exceptions, our genes aren't our destiny. So while there may be breakthroughs that will come through our ability to edit and modify our genes directly, this will likely only be limited to a few disorders. Um, and the real breakthroughs are more likely going to come uh, from uh, with the more we learn about how to the shape this process of epigenetics or this process of how the body decides what genes to express and when. Um, for example, if we could identify, if we identify genes that increase our risk for colon cancer, let's say, what can we do to minimize or silence those genes? Um, and this overall explains why diet and lifestyle modifications are the most powerful interventions we have because they have the ability to massively alter the ways in which our genes impact us. You may recall before uh, me talking about there being no record of wild humans, uh, uh, in other words, hunter-gatherer populations who've lived into modern day, no record of them having migraines. And likewise, that a return to the diet and lifestyle of a hunter-gatherer is the most powerful way of ending migraines. Yet, those migraine-free wild humans almost certainly have all the same migraine genes. Yet, despite having those migraine risk genes, they're not getting migraines. Now, if you believe that if genes are destiny, then this sort of thing would seem impossible, um, that both of these things couldn't be true. However, once we understand the influence of epigenetic factors on our DNA, we understand that this isn't impossible at all. This isn't, this isn't a contradiction. And we see how powerful changing how we eat and live can be, and that's because it can impact us all the way down to the level of our DNA. With that said, let's go over the take-home points from this discussion. So the first, in answer to our uh, first uh, question, are migraines genetic? 
first of all, yes, they do have a genetic component, as I mentioned uh, in the twin studies. Uh, there's about a 40% concordance rate, which also means that the environment is, in, is accounting for about uh, 60% there. So the genes, uh, certain genes may make you more vulnerable to migraines, but genes alone are not enough. So it's not, you won't, the genes are not a guarantee that anybody um, will suffer from migraines. Take home <clears throat> point number two, uh, so does the fact that they are genetic mean that having them, having migraines is inevitable? So absolutely not, um, because we can change how our genes are expressed through the lives we, we lead. So we actually have the ability to change uh, the way in which our DNA affects us uh, by changing gene expression. And I think it's very likely that we'll ultimately find that root cause approaches like the Migraine Miracle Plan in conditions that have a genetic component work in part by making fundamental changes in gene expression. In other words, altering the genes that confer a vulnerability to migraines in fundamental ways. So the final take-home point is that migraines are not fate. Uh, and we have incredible potential to alter our gene expression through the lives that we lay, lead. So hopefully this puts to rest the idea that uh, migraines are genetic, that genes are destiny, and that migraines are therefore our destiny. Um, you've probably heard me say before that I 100% believe there's a path to migraine freedom for everyone, um, not just because I've seen it happen now so many times, uh, and in cases that uh, people consider to be hopeless, but because we have a highly plausible biological mechanism for why this is possible. Okay, so that wraps up this episode of the Miracle Moment. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and remember that you can find this and all prior episodes uh, of the Miracle Moment, as well as the links mentioned um, and uh, transcripts uh, of each episode over at mymigraymiracle.com forward slash moment. And if you're listening to this as the podcast and you enjoy it and you want to help spread the word to others, uh, it'd be awesome if you could leave a review in iTunes. Uh, it really does make a difference and it really means a lot to uh, me. All right, so until next time, uh, go slay the beast. Thank you.